Hello and welcome to you all. It is Friday, November 25th, 2022, which means it is another instance of Fake News Friday. The fakest news of it all would be if we did it on like Tuesday or something, but it is the way we cap off your week, swim through the blizzard of lies that comes at your way from politicians and the media alike. And I am very delighted to have a return performance or appearance, maybe it's not about a performance, but a return appearance by my colleague, Sue Ann Levy. Sue Ann, good to talk to you. How was the last week for you? It was great. Now, you have to know as well, Andrew, that it's Black Friday. Are we still allowed to say that? No, no, that's that's gone. That's too offensive. It's a color neutral Friday. Yeah, we have to come up with there are many sales today on Friday or something. Yeah, it's, Some it's, long- it's, 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 it's commercial capitalist imperial complex uh, Friday. I Friday, yes. Yeah. Even Friday might be gone. You know, it's the, uh, what, what's the, the Friday? It's the Roman God Friday. So he probably did something that we've got to cancel him for. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I, you know, as soon as I said it's Black Friday earlier, I thought, oh my God, can I still say that? <laughs> you are the uncancelable one in my view, Sue Ann. Uh, let's get right to it. This actually segues into this very bizarre story about something we actually reported on at True North. Our colleague Rachel Emanuel uh, reported on Edmonton's move of its Christmas tree or removal of its Christmas tree from this uh, big square, Churchill Square downtown. I mean, there's something else they probably need to name, Churchill Square. But uh, nevertheless, they uh, they did this. True North reported on it. A lot of people were very frustrated. They said, listen, it's, it's tradition. This is what Christmas season is. It's not about imposing Christianity on people. Lots of non-Christians are absolutely fine with it. And then there was a follow-up story to this that the Canadian press did. Racist response is what they said it elicited. Changes to holiday festival prompts racist response, Edmonton officials say. And they say that the reaction to this, the backlash to this, has turned racist. They say the Edmonton Downtown Business Association had announced the plans, but the public reaction has been focused on the fact that there won't be a giant Christmas tree. And then they say that there has been racism directed at Amarjeet Sohi, the former Liberal Cabinet Minister, now the Mayor of Edmonton. And if you read the story, as I did three times, there is not a single instance of racism mentioned. Nothing's quoted, nothing's alluded to. I am not saying that no one said something offensive to Mayor Sohi. It's certainly possible. But this is a story constructed around a response that they're not even telling you about. Like, imagine if I had said, like, there was a big car accident on Bloor Street and didn't tell you anything about the car accident. I'm like, well, why did I read this then? It is uh, unbelievable because I think the R word, as I'm going to call it, has become the excuse for everything, for every action. And, you know, the, the, the issue is that people were upset that they got rid of a Christmas tree. Like they're trying to cancel everything. Now, I'm Jewish. I happen to like Christmas trees. I like giant Christmas trees. The sparklier, the better. So I would never, ever take a Christmas tree away from anybody. I don't know in what world these people think they're living in, but, you know, the criticism was probably justified. But, of course, if you dare criticize now, you are an R, an R for racist. And it's just unbelievable. And and the fact that they didn't mention what was racist means there's no substance to it. 
but you know, you, I don't know about you, but I get called racist all the time. I'm like, why do you call me racist? Because I dare speak out about ridiculous policies and decisions. Yeah. And I mean, it's bizarre. And I, I don't deny that racism exists. And I don't deny that people do send racial epithets in the direction of, of politicians who are ethnic minorities, as Mayor Sohi is. And I, I think that's inexcusable. I think it should be condemned. But I oftentimes think that people use that term racist to completely avoid dealing with any legitimate criticism. So right here, you have something that has clearly unnerved a lot of Edmontonians and people around the country, which is uh, the feeling that they're taking the Christmas out of what's supposed to be a, a Christmas event. That's the frustration. That is not racial. If, if one or two people said something racist as they were lashing out about that, that's wrong. But you don't get to sidestep accountability over that by only focusing on the nut jobs. And that's exactly what they do. They try to cancel any sort of conversation or debate um, or intelligent you know, discussion by just trying to cancel you. And you know, that's their favorite tactic now. Um, and I think people are waking up. Um, I certainly don't take it. You know that I'm uncancelable. Cancelable. cancelable. <laughs> that's a hard word to say, is it not? No, I can't <laughs> be cancelled. Um, but, you know, I just say, like, you know, it's so yesterday. I mean, this is being used and it's so tiresome to hear now. Yeah, and, and the thing too is, I mean, there's always been this push and pull. Like my background's in talk radio and like every year in talk radio, there was always the war on Christmas story and it got so tiresome after a while because people would say, oh, come on, there is no war on Christmas. Everyone's allowed to say Merry Christmas. And, you know, I'd say for most of the time, that's generally been true. I mean, any war on Christmas has not been waged by Sikhs or Jews or Muslims. It's been waged by white liberals. Yeah, who feel very guilty about what I'm not sure. But I mean, they're the ones who are leading the charge on so many things. Um, but as I said, I happen to like big, shiny Christmas trees, you can't help but get into a Christmas spirit. And I mean, frankly, these people are Scrooges for even thinking that they should refashion Christmas. People like the old traditions. And one other thing I was thinking of as we were talking, We've been through three years of, you know, mask mandates, vaccine mandates, border closures. I mean, let people have a little fun. Stop taking the fun out of a, a traditional holiday. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's, that's a more constructive solution. My idea was uh, you, would, you would need to be the champion of this because I have, I, I have Gentile privilege here. Uh, but we could just rename it the Edmonton Hanukkah Bush. And then if anyone tries to take it away, you could call them an anti-Semite. Exactly. Um, yes, I, I like Hanukkah bushes, and I've often thought of getting one myself. But All you know, right, problem solved. So it's no longer a Christmas tree. It's a Hanukkah bush, which means Edmonton. You can put it back and be sufficiently diverse and woke. The, un the only thing, Andrew, is I will warn you that we have to light candles. So you don't want to be lighting those candles near the Hanukkah bush. Yeah, well, diversity sometimes needs a fire marshal. That's uh, that's oftentimes the the sad reality of it. So uh, we are we are lit aflame with the holiday spirit in in more ways than one. Um, let, this is a, a weird story, and I, I feel bad because you know I I never like beating up on individual people, and certainly on this show we try not to. But I will say that Rachel Gilmore's content oftentimes does make.
to Fake News Friday, just because the beat that she covers is one that I think is oftentimes uh, very prone to this. Shopify, a a Canadian company, uh, says a store selling products alleging grooming of kids doesn't violate rules. Now, the the background on this is that uh, there is this uh, online account called Libs of TikTok, uh, which oftentimes focuses a lot on just exposing uh, teachers and uh, stuff like that that they feel are, are overly woke. They sell merchandise on Shopify, which is a platform that basically any online retailer can use. And some of these uh, are shirts that have lines like Stop Grooming Our Kids on them, which uh, now some LGBTQ activists have said is offensive, is anti-trans, is, uh, you know, trying to stoke this idea that uh, people in the gay community are pedophiles. And I, I mean, my position on this has nothing to do with the substance of what's on the shirt, what's on the hat, what's on the coffee mug or anything like that. It's that Shopify is at the very minimum, I mean, I would say it's a software. It's it's a service that people use to facilitate online transactions. You're not buying it from the Shopify Emporium. You're not walking into a Shopify like you would walk into a Walmart. It is an online platform. And it's this idea that Activists believe companies have to be as woke as they are or take the political positions that they do. And and I'm just, I'm so tired of it. I mean, whatever happened to the ideas that corporations could exist without having a political identity? Well, I think activists won't be happy until they wokeify, you should pardon the pun, um, every corporation. And I, I respect corporations, whether it's Shopify or whatever, who stand up to the woke mob. You know, uh, we've seen, I think we discussed it, uh, the TD Bank giving money mm-hmm. uh, for, trans, you know, gender, um, transgender. Sur- yeah, for like child gender affirmation surgeries yeah. or whatever they're called. Yeah. I mean, you know what? You're a bank. Stop. You're in, you're in the business of giving money, taking money, uh, you know, hiding money between or or canceling you as i had the experience with the td bank um because the check went through was not supposed to but i mean the point is that you're in the financial business you're not in the business of uh funding gender surgeries so i'm i think i really respect a corporation that can stand up to the activists and some of the activists speaking out frankly um, are ones who did a very good job of uh, ensuring that gays had rights, uh, allowed me to have the right to marry my wife. But now they're seeking a cause because gays and lesbians have rights. We're like normal people. Now they are in search of a cause. So trans, transgendered ideology has become their focus. And that, you know, as would everything, they've gone grossly overboard. So they're in search of a mission. And you know what? Uh, it's, it's, you know, the pendulum has swung so far. It's, it's making me crazy. Yeah, and it's the idea of deplatforming that is really irking me here. There's a line that's given by one of the uh, activists here, Helen Kennedy, who's the head of uh, EGAL. And what Helen Kennedy says is, can you imagine what it feels like to pass somebody on the street in your neighborhood that you like to think you're safe in with a t-shirt that says, or a hat that says, stop grooming our kids. So 
I, I look, that has nothing to do with Shopify in my view. And uh, for, I mean, for starters, someone wearing that shirt or not wearing that shirt has nothing to do with uh, whether they are safe or unsafe to be around. And, and if they believe the things on the shirt, I mean, whether they're wearing it or not shouldn't really matter. But I think more crucially to that is that uh, Ms. Kennedy is saying that it is Shopify's responsibility to deal with what people wear instead of the responsibility of people in education that may want to, uh, you know, teach a certain perspective or individuals in the activist community that may want to have some sort of a campaign. And I, I guess I'm just, I'm so fed up with this idea that people want to export their biases to every institution that they interact with. Exactly. And, and you know, I was referring to Ms. Kennedy and, and Egal because they're the ones who have been involved with transgender workshops, Transphobia 101, Transgender 101 that I've written about in the past that are coming into elementary schools. So here they are in search of a cause. And, you know, uh, this... This doesn't surprise me, the comments, because um, they want to, uh, I guess, <laughs> reposition the world. They want to have the final say on everything. And, you know, just leave us alone. Let us wear what we want to wear. Let us wear mega hats if we want to wear them. Not that I would. But, um, you know, uh, everybody, this is part of a democracy. Right. And the people yeah. who are wearing them are the ones who are responsible for wearing them. Like, I mean, my wife and I have seen people go down the street, uh, a woman saying I'm with he's just got a, an arrow, a shirt and says, I'm with the idiot. And then the, the husband says, I'm the idiot. And we <laughs> often say, OK, that's funny. But like, who would walk down the street wearing shirts like that? People, you know, it speaks to the people who buy the shirts. Not the people who are selling the shirts or the platform that's selling the shirts. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, Shopify is not even selling it. You're right. And I, here, I guess here's my perspective, too, is that you, you may look at, not you personally, but someone may look at the Stop Grooming Our Kids shirt and say, wow, that, that's really offensive. And, you know, there's an argument for that. Absolutely. But the problem is that a lot of these activists would draw the line at a much, much, much lower level. Like, I would suspect, without knowing... That if Shopify were to sell a shirt that said biological sex is immutable, they would say that's offensive and should be taken down too. If they were to sell a Trump hat, they would say that was offensive and should be taken down too. So it's knowing that the activists are never actually as restrained as it sounds like here. And they would, if they had their way, censor a lot more. Yes, that's what I meant by they want to rule the world. You know, yeah. they want to rule speech, which is not necessarily free anymore. And, you know, I, I take great exception to comments like that. Like I said, it's the responsibility of people who, who are wearing the shirts. Now, I happen to order a, a hoodie that I haven't worn yet because uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it, it's still sitting in the drawer. <laughs> but I ordered a hoodie that says, uh, I tested positive for critical thinking, support independent media. Okay, <laughs> so... It. And so uh, when I walk around, are people going to take offense to that? You should walk, walk just back and forth in front of the CBC headquarters on Front Street. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Oh, it's too fun. That, that should be your, your uniform for uh, Fake News Friday moving forward. Yes, I should. I'll wear it next time. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, this is a, a fun one. So I, 
Wyatt Sharp is a name that some of you may or may not know. He's, I believe he's 13 years old now. He's been uh, doing like online interviews and stuff for the last, I mean, certainly the last year, or maybe even a couple of years, because I think he interviewed Doug Ford relatively early on in the pandemic. And he's gotten remarkable access. He's gotten an interview with Doug Ford. He's interviewed Justin Trudeau. He's interviewed most party leaders. He had uh, former U.S. ambassador to the U.N. John Bolton on last week. Like the kid, the kid does well because it's kind of a cute novelty thing to do. He's a 13-year-old. He asks generally fairly friendly questions. It's it's a, a fun opportunity for someone to go. He gets, you know, a, a decent enough following. But there, there's there's been a pivot in the last little while where some journalists aren't treating it as just this sort of cute little thing, but are treating him as a as a journalist, as, as a, a bona fide journalist, which I say, okay, fine, let's play by the rules that journalists play by. He's been trying to get an interview with Education Minister Stephen Lecce. And uh, apparently has been unable to get an interview with Minister Stephen Lecce for the last year. Now, okay, that's unfortunate. I have been trying to get an interview with Justin Trudeau for six years and have had no luck. And there's never been a news story about that. CTV ran this. 13-year-old Ontario journalist says Lecce is ignoring his interview requests. And that is exactly the story. It's that he's interviewed all these people, but he has not gotten an interview with Stephen Lecce in a year. And then uh, he tweeted about it and somehow the news picked this up. Like, setting aside the fact that he's 13. Sue Ann, you've been a journalist for many, many years. I'm sure there are politicians who have dodged you for more than a year. Has there ever been a news story in CTV about it? No. In fact, uh, they never covered the fact that uh, I got taken out of a Indigenous meeting by four armed cops. They didn't cover the fact that I had to chase many school board directors out of buildings to get a comment from them uh, or that doors were slammed in my face. But, you know, it's it speaks to their agenda. When I saw that, I thought, of course, any chance to dump on the conservative government of Ontario and they have let's be honest here, there are many reasons we could criticize them, but not granting an interview to a 13 year old is not one, but it's all part of their agenda, their bias. Stephen Lecce is the devil. He's, you know, put teachers in this uncomfortable position. Uh, he's not negotiating nicely with the CUPE workers. My goodness. So, you know, it was, it was all, you know, it was just so, in, in a way, kind of sleazy <laughs> that that they would cover this just as a backhanded way of, you know, criticizing him. Yeah, like it was a weird, it was just a weird thing all around. And and so the, now I will say Lecce's office didn't do itself any favors. So Wyatt tweeted about this initially and said, you know, haven't been able to get it. And apparently an email, he got an email from uh, one of his spokespeople for Stephen Lecce, who said, I don't appreciate you tweeting that we aren't responding to you. Other than a broad media availability, the minister was not doing any one-on-one -on -one interviews. So, so then that further inflames it because now the ministry has responded to say, we don't like that you're tweeting about this. Like, again, you know, I think that ministers are oftentimes far too protected from talking to real people. But my goodness, if we wrote a story, anytime a politician dodged the media, we would not be writing anything else. Exactly. And you know what? They gave it, they gave it far more uh, clarity or they gave it far more um, than it needed to, to have by responding. I mean, they, they, 
they actually treated him like he was a journalist. So in many ways, they're the authors of their own misery. Uh, Stephen Lecce's office I'm talking about. They should have just ignored it. I mean, he's 13 years old and he's, I admire his moxie, but come on. Yeah, I mean, he has a vested interest in education more than any other ministry. I mean, he, he's of school age. but uh, And again, it's, it's tremendous what he's done. I'm a big supporter of independent media. But uh, part of the experience, if you want to be a journalist, is having to deal with that rejection. And I think the media was a, a little too much in enabling mode on that story. And you're right. I think it was all really just to uh, pursue that agenda towards the uh, towards or against the conservative government. Uh, we, we've got to wrap things up here in just a moment, but uh, we're colleagues, Sue Ann, so we'll end on a bit of a lighter note. Uh, because we work remotely, we don't have the benefit of getting together for after work drinks. I mean, I guess we do, but we're just all drinking alone in our respective homes generally. Um, but there was a Globe and Mail piece that after work drinks are not inclusive enough. The act of gathering at a bar to consume alcohol is seen as a way for employees and their bosses to bond, to chat, to get to know one each other. But for women and other marginalized groups, this common social practice is not always inclusive. And they quote a Calgary-based millennial in the public sector, Tala Abu Hyena, uh, and she is a Muslim woman. So she says the social pressure to conform has been troublesome to her because she, like uh, other uh, observant Muslims, do not drink. So therefore, she is not included in after-work drinks. Uh, I don't know about she's not included. She's chosen not to to participate, I would say. I mean, talk about twisting things around. Look, I'm not a big drinker, but I often went out just to, you know, connect and to be social. And that is what people do. I mean, I think some of the suggestions that she made that they should go bowling together or have picnics together um, in her op-ed, I mean, that's crazy. Uh, you could go on a retreat together, I suppose. But I mean, that's what people do to wind down after a day. It's an age old tradition. I'm not a big drinker. We used to, you know, have these sort of events when I was at Post Media, but I would sometimes go just, like I said, to connect. Um, so, I mean, I think there are a lot of people in this world right now who are in search of some sort of, we say in Yiddish, and you wanted some, it's called abroigus. They're looking for abroigus. They're looking for trouble. And, you know, she's trying to create abroigus. <laughs> you know, it, you know they're 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 complaining about nothing, absolutely nothing. Yeah, and I mean, even even like like let's go through some of the alternatives. Well, potlucks are not good to people with dietary needs, or people with food allergies, or people with uh, religious restrictions. Bowling and outdoor sports—they're not inclusive of people with physical disabilities. Comedy shows, if they're good, might not be inclusive of anybody. Uh, escape rooms, they are tremendously, tremendously offensive to people with claustrophobia. Uh, so how dare you try to marginalize your coworkers with claustrophobia? Like, not everything is going to be of interest to everyone. That's not the point of this. It's that, like, you can go to a bar and not drink. And I have done that many, many times. I'm sure the servers love me. But, you know, I'll go there uh, if I'm with people and maybe I'm driving or maybe I just have an early morning and, you know, you, you grab a coffee or you grab a soft drink Diet or something. Coke like or yeah, like who cares? I know. Like I said, abregis. Stop making <laughs> trouble where it doesn't exist. You know, 
That's what my grandmother always would say. <laughs> Don't make a bruges. Yeah, I'm gonna. I, I only know like seven Yiddish words, but I think I can add it to eight now. So I'm gonna look that up to 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 make sure I, I'm saying it right. I I two of them I know from the opening credits to Laverne and Shirley though. Shlemiel and Shlemaz. I don't know what they mean, but I know Shlemiel and Shlemazel. Well, the you know I think this would fit into that category. Shlemiel and Shlemazel. <laughs> Shlemiel, Shlemazel, and uh, Bloigel. Is that it? Bloigus. 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 Bloigus means making something out of nothing. Okay. Well, that that is that we should rename. We should do a fake news Friday Yiddish edition because I think that's often what the uh, what the media is is doing here. Uh, I'll leave you all with one final thought here from Chloe C, a third generation Chinese Canadian, uh, dedicated to dismantling the kind of unequal systems upheld by after work drinks culture. So, if you invite your employees out to after work drinks, you are contributing to uh, unequal systems in need of dismantling. So, uh, take from that what you will. Uh, Sue Ann Levy, you can catch her fantastic reporting at tnc.news i am andrew lawton you can listen to my less fantastic but still adequate show the andrew lawton show at tnc news as well uh, sue ann have a wonderful weekend you too my dear <laughs> yeah no no making a bloigus on your weekend uh everyone have a good one we'll see you later